Are we breaking the fourth wall or not? What's, we're breaking the, the fourth wall. Oh, we're breaking we're the breaking fourth, fourth wall. wall. All right. Yeah, yeah we're breaking yeah, the fourth wall. All right, there we wall. go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm James. I'm an editor uh, based in Brooklyn, um, initially from Nigeria. Um, live in Brooklyn now. Been living in Brooklyn since 2002. Went to Hunter College and uh, used to work for Vice News. Now I'm about to start working for BET. And uh, yeah, that's my story. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I remember one night I used to, I still back when I used to work at this company Magilla. Mm-hmm. We were doing like HGTV shows, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like house renovation shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we used to, the office was down in uh, Fidei, like on Broad Broad Street. And once in a while, we'll like take the interns out just to like, like team building kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So we'll all go out. And one night we went out with the interns. And the executives came just to like, like, yo, we're going to buy the bar. You guys just be drinking. And we're drinking, we're drinking, you know. It was one of those days where I remember because it was really busy that day. And I skipped lunch because I was like, I, I just need to get this work done. So I'm on an empty stomach, right? And we at the White Horse Tavern mm-hmm. down in uh, Fidei. Yeah. That's on, on Soul Street. Yeah. Bro, yeah. not to interject, I was on an empty stomach too. Yeah. Ahead. I that's just remember that. That's, I always that's, ate a piece of sandwich this morning. So. Yeah. Right. No, I'm talking about that night. I had that like, night, the, the, the yeah, I had the wings. Yeah, <laughs> I had to, I had the wings towards the end. So that's how it usually that happens, man. That's, that's how it usually fun, happens. Yeah. No, nah, nah, empty stomach. We at the White Horse Tavern, and executives come down. They're drinking. Everyone's drinking. It's free. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting up. Go to the bathroom, and it's that that thing, right? You go to the bathroom and you look at the mirror, and you're like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> oh I'm done." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, and then right there in the bathroom, I call my cab, and cab shows up. I'm I walk right out the bathroom, grab my coat off the chair, and just walk straight out. And I remember the next morning, people be like, "Yo, we just saw you walk out. Is everything okay?" I was like, "Yeah, everything was not okay. I had to get my ass home." Yeah. Is what the problem was. <laughs> I, I try to do the same thing. Uh, you gotta amazing. go. You gotta go. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> Danny had an episode too. Don't let Danny fool you. <laughs> he, had a, he had a couple of episodes. I mean, listen. Yeah, it happens. It, it, it happens. happens. Yeah. It does. There was one time. It was my boy's, uh, my boy Adam. I don't know if you've met Adam before. He's also an editor. He and his wife got married, and it was at their reception. I think it was, uh, not here. It was in Long Island City. Mm-hmm. And we went out, we're drinking, and then we went to the party. And we started drinking there, too. And it was the only time that my wife, she wasn't as drunk as I was. Usually, it's the other way around. Right, Usually, right, right, I'm right. the one that's all right. We got to get the white girl home. <laughs> she's she's tripping. She's been drinking too much black liquor. <laughs> you got to go home now. But that night, I was so fucked up. Like She was like, I had to help you out the door of the place. Because I, I, I remember getting up. 
And I remember feeling like everything is like sideways. Yeah. <laughs> and then she was like, yeah, that's because you were sliding this way. <laughs> and I had to like, she like was behind me, just like helped me into the it, cab. It's hard too, because when you're at that point, it's like a dead body. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I was in Really? <laughs> Yo. I still have wow. video. Right. And we were drinking. Kevin Miles got honored for the USCF. Okay, okay. Mm. Um, and I was just done. You went to Lagos. Didn't you go to Lagos? Yeah, yeah. 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 Times Square. I've never been to Lagos. I've been in Times Square, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I want to go back to the Yeah. Nah, yeah. my, uh... It's the old, uh, Onyx. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, it's right there in Times Square. Square. Oh, okay. Yeah, my, my brother's, my brother Daya, he, his, it was his wife's birthday. And when she, like, he got her one of those, like, cheesy boat rides mm -hmm. where you, like, eat, and then the boat goes to, like, Ellis Island, you see the statue and then you come back mm -hmm. and we did that and then they all was like yo let's all go to lagos man yeah, yeah, yeah. out there then we went it was like yeah we're done till like i think two or three in the morning it's <laughs> good music good food uh yeah i like lagos it's good yeah, spot. Got, we yeah, should I go over there that's time i go i'll let you know mm -hmm. I'm, I'm gonna get the nigerians I'll yeah. call you. <laughs> we'll all go. <laughs> when is it popping? Like, when is it, like, something? I, I don't know. I, I mean, night, we went on a Saturday night. night. I was already lit, so I came in. That's the magic. Yeah. That's, yeah. Dancing. Yeah. That's the magic sauce. Yeah. Yeah. It's when you're already. Yeah, when you're in pregame and you, and you got that little nice buzz. Nah. Yeah. It's but, like you walk in and the dance floor could be empty, but you're like, fuck that. Yeah. I'm on there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, bro, we on camera, bro. We on camera. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta blur that out. Yeah, you gotta blur. Yeah, we're we we're, 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 we're looking at it. <laughs> Yo. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Security guard chopped where are you from? Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I said, he's from New York. Everybody's like, you from New York? Yeah. Oh, you got money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's only be $50. Yeah. Oh, no. This was in London? It was, it was free. Yeah. 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 It was in London. That's, was, um, that's when you were with uh, Andrew. No, Andrew came the third time. It was the second time I went there. Okay. All right. Yeah. Andrew came out. I was happy. I was happy he came out. Yeah. yeah. No, we try to go to we try to go to Lagos, Lagos actually, not like the real Lagos. That's what I thought <laughs> we you were talking to, about until I. No, no, no. We try to go to. So my boys, uh, they were like my groomsmen when I got married. Mm -hmm. They never been to Africa, and to be honest, it's a kind of shameful. But I haven't been back since we came back in two thousand two. Mm -hmm. So it's been over twenty years. So I, I've been trying to go. It's been rough. It's 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 kind of so my sister's been because her husband's also Nigerian and he goes he goes regularly. He goes like once a year. Um her kids haven't been yet. Uh Uriel is like nine, Abby's like four. So I was like, yo, we should do like a big family trip. Cause it'll be 
I, I, I thought it would be really interesting if I go back, but then I go with my nephew, Uriel, and Abby, my niece, and I'm getting this experience of it from I haven't been since I was 13, 12. Mm-hmm. And they, the kids, they're getting it from they've never been at all. And then my sister, she's been a couple of times. So, like, it's like three levels of, like, people who are experiencing it. My wife has never been either. And I think that could be interesting just to, like, go in that fashion. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm now just going by myself. I'm Mm -hmm. going with people either A, have been before multiple times, or B, my niece and nephew who have never been. And And also kids. And my wife, too, who's never been, but it's an adult. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of, like, get that experience of it. And then so my boys, too. Groomsmen, they're like, yo, we want to come too, yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've never been either. So I was like, yeah, let's let's all go down there, man. Let's go hang out. So I think oh, we're trying to plan that for maybe next year. I think that'd be a good look. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> I, was, I was going to Haiti next week. Word. Haiti, too, too many things going down in Haiti right now. Yeah. Okay. I want to do a cruise, though, to Okap. So they've been doing this spring break thing for Okap Escapes. It's really cool. Mm. North of Haiti, the cruises go to La Bazi. It's right, right there in that area. Okay. But Haitians need admission. Oh, 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 so I oh, booked man. the hotel. Mm. Oh, you were telling me. Hotel yeah. 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 Right? And I, you know, reached out to Okap Escapes. Their packages is gone. My cousin was going too. Yeah. So I was like, hey, can I book through, like, I'm coming only on the weekend. Yeah. Can I book directly through the hotel? And they said yes. Okay. Book the hotel. And then I get an email. I put it like March 3rd. I get an email March 9th or and, and 10th. I just recently saw the email like last week. Last week. So this is March 5th. This is March 6th. Yeah. Saying, oh, uh, as per your request, we have canceled your, your hotel reservation. I'm like, I haven't canceled anything. I already mm-hmm. bought my spirit flight. Yeah. flight there directly. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so I try contacting them. I get, I get somebody at the front desk. So, okay, I'm going to use the number for the boss. Mm, yeah. Call the boss, and he doesn't pick up. But the guy, he's like, listen, I, I want to know what's, what's your update. I'll help you out. Yeah. And he was like, listen, listen, listen. Since he's not picking up, he's not answering me, I'll help you out, but it's going to cost money. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're not paying money. We didn't even scare Yeah, that's how it so goes. I yeah, I mean, <laughs> when we went to, uh, when we, so my friend Allison, she works for one of those Bravo shows mm. to, um, below deck and they're like they they film all over the caribbean they actually just left grenada like two weeks ago mm-hmm. but last year they were in uh saint lucia so she was going to be in saint lucia for two months it, it fall it fell it always falls around the same time of my wife's uh uh spring break from work so she had a week off i could take whatever time off i need so we're like yo let's go to saint lucia just to hang out with allison mm-hmm. and leave New York in, in the winter. So we went to St. Lucia last year. And so back up like a year before, we went to Antigua for a honeymoon. And that was like, because of COVID and everything, that was a lot easier because when we got to Antigua, they were like, all right, here's how you're going to need to get out of Antigua when you have to leave. After your hotel, there'll be a room. They'll call you to go there. You do your test there negative then you get a certificate and then you go to the airport and then you can fly when we got to saint lucia though we never got any of that so we forgot that 
not only are you coming into a country, but before you leave to go back to America, there's a whole other bureaucracy that yeah, takes place yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. We forgot about that whole thing. So on the day we have to leave, I remember reading the doc. I was like, oh shit, we need a negative test. So we went to the store, bought some like quick rapid yeah, yeah, test. Yeah, yeah. We took that. Yeah. I took a uh, picture it like of it. Forty-eight hours or something like that. Well, that's the thing. We didn't really know. Okay. So and we got to the airport uh, after we left Saint Lucia, our hotel. They were like, oh, this is not, you have to go to like an actual doctor. To, oh, wow. And like our flight's going to be in two hours. And I'm like, all right, well, it takes an hour to go back into town. So that's not going to work. Like, what else can we do? They're like, well, we can bring a doctor to the airport to administer the test for you. And I was like, okay, how much is that going to cost? They're like, 500 each. I was like, fucking kidding me? 500 each? That's it? Yeah. That's the price? Like, yeah, I, I knew they were like ripping us off. Mm-hmm. Like, and like they knew it's so almost like, like that, that mutual understanding that you're being ripped off. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah. you're like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They know they can rip us off and I can't do anything. I know they can rip me off and I can't do anything either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, sure. So, go to the ATM, right? And like, listen, you're getting jacked. Sorry. <laughs> you put yourself in this position. So, we go to the ATM, took out a bunch of money. We were like, all right, where's the doctor? Where's the doctor? Like, doctors on the roof. Just hold tight. I'm like, our flight's going to take off, man. We got it. Doctor comes in. It's this lady. Uh, not a doctor, clearly. <laughs> she goes, all right, come with me, y'all. She came in like a little girl from the I swear to God. She comes in. She goes, come with me, y'all. We go with her. I'm thinking, all right, we're going to this nice secure room where right, we right. take off our mask and she could. We go into the back room where the offices are. Everyone, it's like 10 people in the room, no windows, people on their computers working. And she goes, all right, here's where we're going to do the test. I'm like, for real? This is the secure facility where we're being tested for COVID. We're in the room with no windows with 10 other people who are just working. I don't think this is smart. What if one of us has COVID, then what's going on here? Whatever. So she gives us the swab, blah, blah, put the mask back on. And she goes, all right, you guys wait the tests, and I'll let you know. During that time, how much time you had left for your flight? Maybe like an hour. So we, we still had a good time, but like we are starting to get nervous because we hadn't even been through the gate yet. Mm-hmm. So like maybe 10 minutes past she comes, she goes, all right, you guys are tested negative. You should be able to fly. Here's a certificate. Look down at the certificate for the doctor's name, different name from hers. Not even her name on the thing. I'm like, all right, you know what? I don't want to argue this. Here's your money. Let me just go back home, man. But like the whole time, I'm just like, yo, they finally ripped us off. Yeah, like they called some question. lady like next door, like, yeah. yo, but put why, on the put on a lab coat, come come by the airport real yeah. quick. But why didn't you just um, negotiate with uh, the airline? It was too late. It was too late. Okay. It was too late. It, they were just like. By the time we, I mean, the small thing would be just to go back to town and right. go to a doctor that would probably charge us like $20 and then go back. But like, it was an hour back into town. Yeah. So like, it was just not going to work. Like, they knew. With the airline, because you could have get a like exchange. Which like, airline exchange, I don't remember. A change fee. 
They knew like, they knew was like fifty dollars. They were waving stuff during that time. Yeah. yeah, they knew they had us in the vice grip, yeah. and they're just like, because that's, that's, that's the price of a, another room for a night. Yeah, right. Yeah. It sounds like Dior to me. Like you take your swab, you go up to the next lady to get your test results. Okay, negative. Next person, negative. You. I know. It's, it was so. Yeah. It was so backwards. I was like, damn, man. I feel like I'm back in Nigeria. Like the hustle you know, game is serious. Like, quick story. So when my dad would go back to Nigeria to like visit us when we were still kids there, he would go with his friends and they would like pick him up at the airport. His friends all live in Nigeria. They they've never left. He'll be the only one who's right. like, you know, the foreigner. But he's also from Nigeria. So. And he would do all he can to like blend in with them when he flies to Nigeria. So it's funny, he would tell us a story about how like one time he flew into Nigeria, his friends came to pick him up, there's four of them, and then him, so it makes five in total. And they were they got in the car, they're driving it from the airport, he's in the back seat, there's a friend to the right, friend to the left, and he's in the middle seat in the back seat, friend driving, friend in the passenger seat. So five of them in the car. And they pass through the, the, it's almost like a traffic stop in Nigeria, but it's, it's, it's just a bribe stop, mm-hmm. right? It's like the cop stops you and just like shakes you down. And the whole time he's just waiting for you to offer him money so they can let you go. So like, they get to one of those and they know the drill, right? And it's like, all right, give him a little handshake, a little 20 mm-hmm. on it, blah, blah. And the cop looks in the car and he goes, there's an American in here. <laughs> and my dad is like what do you mean he's like you're not from here <laughs> and like he spots him like easy my dad is like my dad used to be like I don't know how he knew cause like my dad isn't American he's Nigerian like he, he had been living in America for like 10 years but he's still Nigerian he's like I didn't give anything away I wasn't dressed any differently I wasn't wearing anything to give away that I had any money or anything like that just like just by him looking at my dad, he's like, "Yeah, you're you're different. <laughs> Something about you says you're not in this struggle. That we're wanting more money." Yeah, he's like, "Yo, all right, cough it up." <laughs> it's always funny whenever I like fly somewhere and I run into that kind of bureaucracy, kind of like in in Saint Lucia. What happened to us? I was just like, "Yeah." After a while, you're like, yeah, all right. This is how things are going over here. I'm not in good old America anymore. <laughs> no, That's in Haiti too, right? <laughs> There's a lot of corruptness everywhere. Yeah, didn't they kidnap a, a family member of yours? Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're okay, right? Yeah, like the, her neighbor, my aunt, my aunt got kidnapped back in November mm. last year, and her neighbor, her, she's not even like the same. She's at me, Patriots, she's not Susan. Shit. Yeah, so. Traumatized? Traumatized. Yeah, it's rough. My aunt killed like my forehead. It's rough, man. Um, I don't know how much, you know, they ended up paying. My cousins ended up paying, but it was, that was a little dark moment in the family. I bet. Yeah, so it's it's yeah. not easy. For those two people now that just got kidnapped recently, mm. um, I, they, they're, you know, their families are like three to It's crazy. Yeah. Especially when, I mean, this happens in Nigeria too. And especially when they know you're from a family that yeah, live in America, have lived in America. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right. Easy money right there, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. it's crazy. Man, Haiti knows, you know, how there is no government, no nothing. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't have this going on in your back court. You're supposed to be, you know, 
Yeah. It's crazy. It's rough, man. A friend of mine owns uh, a huge property, but it takes a while for you to even... He's in Haiti. It takes a while for you to get from uh, the entrance of the gate to a- the actual property, mm-hmm. right? So there's a long driveway. And uh, they have walls. So they probably... They, they, they're insulated, basically, mm, right? So it's like a yeah, fortress, right? Yeah. So you you barely could see what's going on inside. Yeah. Um, the, it's like a mile or two between the driveway and the home. You know, it, it's pretty, pretty hitting, right? Yeah. And they were still able to find a way to kidnap one of them Shit. and ask her for ransom. And they were basically saying, you know, how can how is this possible that we're hidden? Nobody knows where we come in. We got tented black cars, drives in and out, you know, but they still found a way. Yeah. So I don't know. Can you, can you safeguard that? Like, can you protect that? And especially when you're isolated in the countryside. Yeah. Like, how how really how <clears throat> realistic can you get the cops out there quickly enough in case that there's an issue? In that sense, you have to. You, you gotta, gotta pay for security, security. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, you gotta and pay for security. That's how you see it with, uh, what's his name? El Chapo. Yeah. That's my from season one. And yeah. she's just saying, you know, although things are bad over there, mm-hmm. the people, they take care of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The gangs take care of them. Mm-hmm. You know, so they just you have to, like, break them off. Like, yeah. Same thing with my security. You, you're, this is you. You want yeah. to protect yeah. them. Yeah. 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 That's what I would do. Yeah, well, that comes with the price, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's free. That or I'm killing all of The problem is you don't know how many's coming. Yeah. You don't know well, when they yeah. come in, how many's coming, how they come in. So it's like the, the best thing to do is just get the security yeah. and protect yourself and your family. But I do want to like uh, make a quick transition because I want to know more about like the editing part as an editor. Mm. Like, What is it that you guys actually do as an editor? I mean, <laughs> like if you give us the t- totality of it. I mean, the most basic terms is just it's putting picture after picture to tell a story. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's very, you know, in the most, you know, because it's funny because we in the last few months, I guess, the whole AI thing has become huge. Right. And it's kind of like it makes <laughs> It makes things feel like people have more discussions about, like, is my job going to get phased out by artificial intelligence? Mm -hmm. And as an editor, not just AI, but like, you know, something like TikTok or, or YouTubers, it comes to a point where they're all doing my job, basically, you know. Editing is what, you know, creating packages say you're a youtuber you're basically editing mm-hmm. say you're someone who has a online following and you provide video daily to your online followers you're an editor because you're, you're you're providing that and you're editing your video to make content that people like to watch mm-hmm. so in some ways you know you're like as an editor you're thinking man is that my job that that guy's taking over there right. but i never worry about that personally because i'm always like there's way more to that to editing than just that way right? it's it's not i'm a 13 year old kid with a camera now i'm an editor because 20,000 people follow me and watch my videos that's not it's 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 way more 
complicated. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to like, yo, your kids are about to take my job. Like, I'm not, I'm not. And I'm not trying to make the job sound even more mystique or mysterious than it actually is. It's, it's like I said, when you break it down to the most basic terms, it is just putting image after image and hoping it touches someone and they get a reaction. You get a reaction out of an audience. That's basically it, or whoever's watching. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, to me, it's way more uh, involved. And, and, you know, there's editors who are doing things today that I look up to and I'm like, yo, I wish I one day can, like, cut the way you do it, man. Mm-hmm. And, this, and so that, to me, I'm not... I'm not trying to make it sound like I know all about the editing. Ask me all your editing questions, I'll answer it. That's not it at all, because there's people who are on a way bigger level than I am, mm-hmm. and they're like, yeah. But you edit, like, more TV shows. <coughs> and- yeah, I do TV. Um, and even in that culture, in that subsect, too, right? I'm not, I'm not, you know, uh, uh, some kind of big shot. But what I can say is what... After, I mean, I've been editing now for over 10 years. And what I can say is, as you go along, you learn new things and you pick up new new ideas and you pick up new ways of doing things. And over my 10 plus years, still, I'm still relatively young in the editing world, you know. Like, there are people who do this for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And there's no way I can stand toe-to-toe with those guys because... It's just not possible. Right. And that's what I mean when I say there's more to this job than just what you can do in your bedroom mm-hmm. if you learn a bit of Final Cut, you know, because that time that you spend doing stuff, it matters a lot, you know. I'm sure there are other professions where time is a big factor in how good you are. When I look at editing, that's the first thing I always think about is the time you spend in it is paramount, you know? Because, like, you go from being able to put the images in the right place to being able to uh, to extract an emotion from whoever's watching it. And that's key. And that, that part, to me, is when you become one of the masters. Mm-hmm. Is when I can... If you sit two editors together... One cuts something for you and you watch it, and you're like, "Yeah, that's good." And then another cuts something for you, you watch it, and you're like, "Damn, that that touched me somewhere that I didn't think you could in a three minute video." And that to me, that's the difference. It could be the same, same exact footage, uh, footage, yeah, same exact uh, idea that you give both, but the way one does it versus the way one, uh, the other does it, you see that factor of like yo you've been doing it for a very long time because you know and and you know it's also not a singular job right you work with producers you work with directors and they're also human who have a certain idea in their heads when they go film or when they read the script right so i can hand out three copies of the same script with everyone in this room and we all read it and in the process of us reading it, we all have different ideas as to, okay, let's go shoot this thing each separately. You have a different idea of how you want to shoot it. You have a different idea of how you want to shoot it. I'll have a different idea of how I want to shoot it. You know, And that's the whole point. When the collaboration comes in, 
because now let's make it we're all making the same movie but you're the director and you're the producer and I'm the editor now we've all got the same thing that we need to make but we've all got different ideas of how we want to make it and so as an editor too that's the other part that I enjoy about the job is the fact that I get to incorporate what others are thinking and and that can be tricky too because then that could be you know they have this idea and I'm married to my idea and there's a friction you know right. or the director thinks no 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 this is what I think the movie should be and I'm thinking I don't see that I see something completely different then how do we compromise how do we go all right as an editor you can say that to a director you it takes some time it takes a while you don't just start spouting that shit <laughs> it's not hard to work yeah especially and not just because you know it could be an editor or it could be a director that's older than me or even younger than me it still doesn't mean because I'm older than the director I get to say yo you don't know what you're talking about because it's not it's, like I said it's a very we work in a very subjective field mm. so what you're thinking because of your life experiences and say you see a story you initially latch onto something in that story because of your story and then i read the same piece of paper and i latch onto another part of that story because of my story you see what i mean so like it changes right, right, right. so there's no at least from my perspective when i work i don't see any room for this is how it has to be and this is how it must be it's i think that's foolish because it's like we're all different yeah, yeah and, and we all we, bring different yeah ideas exactly we bring different yeah. things mm. through our daily life since we were kids so it's subjective to the party yeah is what exactly. the party wants so walk me through it in terms of is there a storyboard and you guys are looking at the storyboard and saying this is what i see for this scene this is what i see for that scene always like is based off the script oh it's like, usually based on the script i mean you know storyboards will come in more if you're doing like film but if you're doing tv and you're doing you know for example what i did at vice it's more okay the producers have gone out they've done their pre-production stuff where it's like all right this is what we want to go film this is what the story's going to be about we'll go film it and they go out they film it and then they bring it back to the office even before i touch it and then they write the script of like all right this is what we think it should look like when we put it on tv and then i come in and then i read the script and i watch the footage of what they shot and i go okay uh now this is the part where the time like thing like i said comes in cuz for example when i first started at vice I want to say maybe the first 6 months or 8 months I was basically just like okay here's what they want on the script I'm going to put that together for them and here you go right because you're new you know you're like all right I'm still trying to assimilate I'm trying to understand who everyone is I'm doing that I'm basically just radio cutting what's on the script because it's like you know I'm trying to feel my way around yeah. here mm-hmm. but like after a while and this is the thing about time you do it long enough then you start realizing all right i can start letting you all know 
what I think now, right? Mm. I read the script and then I go, okay, this is cool, but I don't know if I'm buying it. I think this scene we have over here, I think it'll work better if we moved it to the top and we move what's in the top right now, we put that in the middle. That comment and the, 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 I don't want to say the bravery because it's not really that. Just the idea that you can share that, that doesn't come on day one. It just yeah. doesn't. It comes after credibility. Yeah. After you've done, you've done what you need to do, you've, you've delivered, you know, and you, you kind of lose that because I feel like everyone has this imposter syndrome, you know, yes. where you're, you're new at a job and you're yeah. like, especially if you work at, as an editor who works in freelance and you go from place to place to place. Mm -hmm. Once you go to a place for the first time, you're like, all right, let me, you know. I still get that when I work on a new piece. I'm like, I'll have this thing in my back of my head. It's like, yeah, how am I going to do this? <laughs> like, and you, you do it because it's your job and you know how to do it. But the beginning part, at least for me as an editor, starting is always the toughest part. Like, I always joke that after my first rough cut and I get the notes back and I don't get a note that says, what the fuck is this? <laughs> what have you done here? Right. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, this is going well. And then I'm like, all right, cool. I got it. It's easy. I'll just, you know, I'll incorporate what you want. I'll throw in the things that I think is working and we'll work our way till we finish it. Mm -hmm. But before I get to that first cut where I show people what I've done, I'm always very nervous because I'm like, yo, what if, what if my vision of this it's completely opposite to what the people who I'm working with yeah, are yeah, expecting. Yeah. But it, it, it usually doesn't happen that way. Most of the time, it's usually like, all right, yeah, I think uh, this is going well. This is, uh, this is how I think we can work to make it better. Or this is something I think is not working. And then we work towards it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we did a um, one of my favorite, I mean, not, I don't know if favorite is the right word, but one of my most involved piece I work at worked on advice was about the um aftermath of the Buffalo shooting at the Topps grocery store. Mm -hmm. And this is like maybe a couple months after the shooting that we went back and talked to like people on the who live there about like what life is like now after this shit happened. Mm -hmm. And you know, we talked to this man who he went to that tops all the time to buy groceries, but now he's like, whenever I go now, I'm just like terrified, you know. I'm looking over my shoulder every time. I'm nervous walking in. And so it turns out that he had been going to a completely different tops because it's like it's a chain uh, grocery store, almost like associated here in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. um, not here, but in Brooklyn. And so he would go to one away from his home like he would drive further just to go to a different one after what happened so when we met up with him we he was like you know what i want to go to that one and we're like yo can we follow you and film it he's like yeah that's fine so we actually the first time he stepped back into that store we had him on, on camera and i remember him he did this interview with us afterwards where he's like you know have a son and I'm like, I'm terrified for him whenever he goes anywhere, blah, blah. It was like very raw. 
emotion emotional piece of like black people trying to who live in a, 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 a city like Buffalo trying to like move forward you know trying to go about their lives of doing very simple stuff of like I'm just gonna go to the grocery store and buy some food mm-hmm. right and that simple act has become such a it's become such a big mountain in front of them to overcome because of what what happened you know uh, one of our scenes was also at a um, at a meeting of the community leaders who were like, you know, how are we going to move forward? And I remember because it's New York, uh, Jumani Williams was there, the New York City, uh, um, I forget what his title is now. Um, and it's all just like black leaders of this community who are sitting together. And it was very raw, like the, the, the emotion, the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, to a point where, like, someone got up and was like, I don't trust the white people in this room right now, you know, because we had Vice there who were, like, filming. And so a couple of the producers and the shooters for Vice are white. And this guy got up and was like, I don't trust these guys because I, I, why should I? Like, what happened at Tops was this white kid drove miles and miles to a black neighborhood and shot a bunch of black people and killed them. Like, so, like, I'm saying that because, like, this conversation got really real. Like, yeah, like, you know, grown men crying. One man got up and was like, I'm telling every black person I know in this city, go and buy a gun right now. And another person got up and said, that's not the way. And they got into the, a shouting match. Like, it was just, you know, to the point where, like, when we started editing it, I remember talking to my producer who's... uh He's not white, but he's also not black. He's, I think he's, uh, I think he's, uh, he's Latino. And then the producer ahead of him, he's a black man too. And we all just like, yo, let's take a pause because I feel like we need to treat this. Definitely. Yeah, and we needed to like, we wanted to make it, we wanted to tap into that feeling that we have when we first watch the footage, right, as, as black men. You know, as a black direct uh, editor and the producer who will greenlight it, he's also a black man. He's like, yo, we need to live in this for a minute. Let's not rush it because it was it was going to be on TV, but we wanted to do it in a way that still kept the rawness of it. You know, that emotion. Like I said, this 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 60 year old black man who's got a child who grew up in that town who hadn't been back to the store, who, for whatever reason, decided, all right, while we're here is when he wants to go back and all the emotion of that. And then this meeting that we had where everyone just said what was in their mind, you know, and it got really, really, really tough. So, like, that piece, it was such a unique experience because we got, you know, we were telling this story about tragedy and it almost you know when you're when you work in post production like i do there's like a wall between what you're working on and you because you need to have that wall cuz you you want to be able to tell the story and in some fashion you you need there's a separation that's required because you know you want to be able to properly lay it down and it's almost hard to do that if you're too close to it. Yeah. You know, it gets a bit muddy. 
but for this story particularly, it was it, it was tougher for us because we were like, yo, this this is this is real, you know. And and one of the scenes too was uh, in the school that was in that town. They have this uh, mentorship program now, where this this dude who also grew up in the town, he's older. He will go after school and he will talk to the kids, and they would just like tell them like, you ask them like, how are they feeling? What do they think? You know, <clears throat> like since what happened happened, how are they moving around the town? And the kids would talk about it. Like they would get really, really honest about what they feel too. So like it had a lot of those elements in it and it took a while for us to do it because it just was like, yo, let's, let's slow down. Cause this is, this is, this is different, you know? So as an editor for me personally, it was, it was kind of like, uh, it was, it was the almost like one of the first times that I got to like, voice that thing I was saying about like all right this scene I don't know if it's working and in the end it's funny we ended up I think we ended up taking out that scene of the meeting because it just it almost just didn't fit into everything because mm -hmm. if it was so charged and important and 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 serious and also raw that it almost it stuck out of the whole piece yeah you know it, it it felt like it just didn't belong in in the story we were telling there it belonged but not in that story exactly right it, it was it was required it was powerful i was so glad i got to see it i was so glad we got to film it you know and that we were there for that and i'm like i'm hoping they still have meetings like that every day because it was needed but like you said it just wasn't it didn't belong in that story. Mm -hmm. um, so it, we, end, we ended up losing it. But that experience was kind of like... You a, know what's crazy? Because that sounds like a story in itself. Exactly. Like yeah. you could actually do uh, actual song. I mean, you can actually do a story or a film behind that meeting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, because everyone there had, like we've said about, you know, collaboration, right? You come with your own baggage. You come with your own ideas. So the man who was like, yo, I go around now. Every time I see a black person in this city, I'm like, yo, did you register for a weapon yet? You should go register for it right now. And then the guy who got up and was like, I don't agree with you was also, he has his own background of like, yo, yeah. all guns. Guy? I saw a black, everyone in there is black, mm. offering their opinions. And he got up and was like, yo, I don't think adding more guns to the situation is going to solve anything. You know, let's, Think of a different way, and the other guy was like, "All right, here we come with this Harvard bullshit." You know, like it got really like serious. Like, yo, let's let's talk about it. You know, and and you know, it took a while for us to like wrestle with that scene, but in the end, I think we end up making the right decision of like, you know what, let's let's leave it out because it just it just wasn't. It was just too. <laughs> it was too real for the story we were telling. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And, and we were talking earlier about, you know, Vice Showtime versus Vice nightly mm -hmm. show. And in some way, that scene fit more with a, a platform that had way more room to tell it, you know. Because our piece was going to be like seven minutes long. And with a scene like that, it was just going to be like, you know, half the piece yeah and then, and then you gotta elaborate on it exactly too. like yeah you can't just this. put it down there right, and right, walk right. away from it yeah. 
So. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It was, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and you even you can even extrapolate from it, right? You can like, you you grab that man who was like, yo, I go around telling everyone get a weapon, and you you follow him, and you you see what he has to say. You follow him to his home and talk to him in in depth. And the guy who disagrees with him, you talk to him too and go, you know, what do you? How did you arrive at this? Um, yeah, what led to this? Yeah, yeah. what 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 no. gave, gave you this thought, this idea? Yeah, that idea, and not only that, what gave you this idea that you're gonna come to this meeting, and you're gonna ex- express that idea mm-hmm. in a room full of people who are hurting, you know, who just want some sort of justice for something you can't really get justice for, really, because right. they're they're dead, yeah. you know, and you're like, yo, I'm gonna come to this meeting. And then not only come to this meeting, I'm going to be the guy who counters and ask for, in your version, more calm in the face of people who are very, very angry. And rightfully so. Like, think about it. Some kid just came up to our town and killed a bunch of people. For what? Because of our skin color. Yeah. Like, that's enough to get mad. Yeah. But how hard it was it for you to let that go? I mean, I don't know. It was it, it it like I said, we 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 let it live within us for a bit longer than we usually do for pieces like that. Because like I said, it's a short one. It had a quick turnaround as everything we did was. But this one, I felt like we we kind of like. And I mean, you know, I'm bringing it up here yeah. for a reason. Yeah. Right, it clearly yeah. still lives with me, right? Yeah. It's not like I buried it in the past and I moved on. I still think about that scene and that that piece specifically. And you know, it's funny when I finally told everyone advice that I was, this is the end. I'm leaving. I told very few people, and that producer that I worked with, he hit me up like separately, and I don't think I don't. Yeah, I never told him, but he found out and he like, yo, I'm gonna text him like, yo. I'm sad to hear that you're leaving. Like, you know, so we still share that bond of working on that piece together. And that's how much it like affected us working behind the scenes. And that's even, we were not even on, I mean, I wasn't, he was on, on set. I wasn't even on set. I'm just watching it from Uh-oh. what they shot, mm-hmm. you know, and I still felt like it needed something special to make it, to put it out. And we never, Either I had the time, or the resources, or even just the, the, maybe not even the right people to tell it. Like I'm, I'm okay with that. Like if someone came to me and was like, "Yo, we we got this much better editor that we want to do this piece," I'd be like, "Cool, man. Like this is such an important thing that I have no ego when it comes to like who handles it because it, it was needs to be. it just needed something special." Mm-hmm. And we just didn't have that for whatever reason. So it, it had to be like... Yeah, we appreciate your transparency because that's important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, I always joke about... So um, did you ever read the, the book, Things Fall Apart? Chinua Achebe. He's a Nigerian author. Um, grew up in England. And he's a professor of literature. And he wrote this book, Things Fall Apart. And it's about... Nigeria back in like 
early 1700s, 1800s, where before the, uh, well, the missionary were already arriving, but it was still early. And there's this like town where they had their own little thing and and then tragedies i don't know like talk like spoiling because you really do want to read it but tragedies struck and the town you know went through some stuff and it it perfectly dovetails with the arrival of the missionaries basically and this is it's such a powerful story like it's one of the most famous books out there that he anyone's written about rural old-time nigeria and for whatever reason it's never been made into a movie or a tv show or anything and i'm always like i wonder why and it took me a while but i was like maybe they just no one's ever felt like they had enough to tell the story. Yeah. Sometimes it's a story that's so, you know, powerful. powerful that you just gotta let it be. It doesn't need to be made. And maybe, maybe it doesn't, or maybe no right one's time. exactly. There's not the right time, or someone who hasn't come along and is worthy of telling that story yet. So I let like it you sit. Said that worthy of telling it because there's oh yeah, some, there's some people that just can't do a story justice. No, no, and it just has so much impact. That no, it, yeah, it's, it's funny because we, so my wife and I, we were watching this uh, series on Paramount last night. It's called The Offer. I don't know if you watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about the the making of the Godfather, yeah. the movie The mm-hmm. Godfather, and I had I had seen the series already, and I thought it was all right. But my wife hadn't seen it, so she was like, I want to watch it. So I was like, yeah, we'll watch it. And I it's had... It's like a, a documentary. Yeah it's, yeah, it's it's based on this book by uh, this guy, Al Ruddy, mm-hmm. who was the producer of The Godfather, the movie. Mm-hmm. He wrote a book afterwards, and this show is about that book. Mm-hmm. But, like, well, I bring it up because at the beginning of making The Godfather, there was that idea, too, of, like, this is a very Italian-American story. We can't just get anyone to tell it. Mm-hmm. It had to be... Francis Ford Coppola because he understood understood, it. So like in that same vein of like sometimes you need the right person and if you can't get the right person it's better to just let it be be, and to say we gotta gotta tell this story. You don't have to do shit. The story can live, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's what I I always think about when I think about things fall apart. It's like it's just not ready yet. I'm glad you brought that up because I hesitated for a second because when you said, when you brought it up about the doc, um, the documentary film about uh, um, The Godfather, The Godfather, yeah, I, it's something dawned on me that, did you work on The um, the Girl? It was like a, uh, what's the It was a Henry, Henry Hitchcock movie with the birds and uh, I forgot what it was, but they were telling the backstory onto um, the popular scene where the the lady walks into, she walks into the room and you see like all the birds attacking her. Oh, the Hitchcock film. The Hitchcock film, yeah. yeah. But they did this, the the story behind what happened in that scene Mm. and it's called The Girl. Okay. And um, so basically the same thing you were 
it took some time for people to tell that story because yeah. it was kind of horrific how they had the actual birds attacking her. Yeah, yeah. And not only once, he wanted to do it again and again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And he was like basically punishing her. Yeah. Man. Oh, God. Yeah. That's, you know, there are some directors from, there's a few books I've read about directors from back then. And sometimes, yeah, it could be, you know, I'm an editor, but my goal is to direct right like i think that's usually part of why everyone got into this gets into this business is mm-hmm. you want to make your own shit because you, you were inspired by something right and you're like yeah this could be cool um so i've read a ton of books about those directors and it's always fascinating with their process of getting what they need for specific scenes so i remember reading about uh the Exorcist, that movie, mm-hmm. and it's by Billy Friedkin. And there's a scene in it where uh, the priest first comes to the house and sees the girl who's like demonic, and he has to like cast the demon out of her, whatever. And I remember reading about that scene, and apparently, uh, Friedkin, the director, when the priest first, they used a real priest for that scene because they wanted to, to feel as authentic, authentic as possible. Yeah. So when the priest came in and they did a couple of takes, Friedkin was like, man, this priest doesn't, he's not showing that sense of fear, uh, shock, horror that he needs. So apparently Friedkin, the director, walks up to the priest and goes, um, Father, do you trust me? The priest was like, uh, yeah. And he like smacks him really hard across the face, <laughs> like hits him so hard. The priest is like, what the fuck just happened? He's like, all right, roll it, roll it right now. And the priest is still like in that shock of like, did this guy just slap me that they rolled it? And that was how he got the effect he needed from the priest. <laughs> like, I obviously wouldn't recommend that because that's a lawsuit. But like, sometimes it's funny when you read about, you know, how there's a scene in that same movie too where Ellen Burstyn plays the mom and there's a scene where the the daughter like does something and she she pushes her like she flies across the room mm-hmm. Ellen Burstyn does and they have a rig that they built for her where someone pulls her she's got like wires you know a movie magic yeah. and she gets pulled across the room by this wire and they did it a couple of times and Ellen Burstyn, I remember she in the story, she goes to tell the guy who does the pulling, he's like, yo, can you ease up a little bit? I feel like the last two one we did, I feel a little pain in my back. And apparently Friedkin went to the guy afterwards, like, don't listen to her. Just pull it harder this next time. And it's kind of fucked up because like she actually really hurt her back mm-hmm. filming that scene. But like he's one of those directors, like, I need to it needs to look a certain way. And it becomes almost like abuse, which it is. But like, in the end, the movie becomes the sensation it becomes. And you're like, eh, well, was it worth it? It's like, mm. well, maybe not to her or the mm. priest that got slapped in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or the one that got the birds. Like, exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, it, it, it's a, it's like almost the mystique of working in, in, in film or TV or in the in the field where you need humans to pretend and sometimes 
pretending it's just not enough. Mm-hmm. You need the real shit. You know, it's the reason why movies like Blair Witch Project kind of sticks with us because it feels real. Right. You know, even though it's not. And a lot of elements of films like that is real. You know, like it could be the real people. Uh, uh, even like TV shows, like say The Wire, you know. Those people were a lot of the people in the wire were real. Yeah, you know, they, they got weren't. Casted, yeah. yeah, they weren't actors, and it it you, it transmits. You can feel as an audience mm-hmm. watching it. You know. I actually saw something on TikTok about Jones Four. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. They were talking about how stunt doubles don't get enough credits. Mm-hmm. That some performers because it's coming as a scene where I guess they're like yeah, it hurts. So it's like that hidden factor, the back end that we don't see. Oh, yeah. 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 But then it's the same sense how you get through, you know, you edit it and, you, you know, these people, they don't get enough, enough credit. No, no, no. no. It's it's hard. Yeah. It's not easy. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's not just plain pretend. It's a lot of hard work. It's I, a lot I, of I work, man. That that's, you guys are on like that same group because it's, you guys are putting in that work, that effort. It's not really shown. Well, yeah, and as an editor too, it's almost like uh, as an editor specifically, the way it's described sometimes is like you're like a referee in the game. No one came here to watch you, and once people notice you, it means something went wrong, right? So, like as an editor, if someone ever goes, "Hey, I noticed something about the editor," it kind of means you fucked up because <laughs> your job is to. Make it so seamless that people aren't even thinking about what you're doing. Yeah. You know, you're like you're like so deep in the shadows that it's it's once people start noticing you, something bad is happening. Right. You're, you're doing something that's kind of it's almost like uh, when you uh, early in your editing, if you're trying to teach a new editor how to edit, one of the things you learn is pacing, and pacing basically is. How long it takes between shots before you move to the next one, mm-hmm. and if you get it wrong, it's noticeable. If you're watching something and that is badly paced, even you as a person who doesn't understand editing would be like, "Something's weird about this right, right, right. thing I'm watching. It doesn't feel right." But if you get that pacing right, you could be watching the most horrific thing, but if the pacing's right. You don't even think about it. You're like, all right, I'm 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 so focused on what I'm watching that it's almost like when the way I like to think about it is if someone's playing music and they're playing it off key, and you can that feeling you get when you're like something's off. Like you're singing and I'm playing piano and I'm like maybe a key off from your singing, you're like, I can something feels weird about what this guy's doing. I got same the, thing with editing. I mm. got the perfect scenario because Bel Air just came out. I don't know if you watched it. You started uh, people, I had a party at the house. People started watching it. I watched it and then I was like, this is not for me and I left the house. So, <laughs> the new season came out. So, Will, he, he's going out there shooting it, right? Mm. Yeah. He's playing a basketball game. He's about to go for a layup. It cuts. And then you see Homie comes into a window. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I mean to be fair, sometimes you can do that as a as a technique, as a you're trying to jar the audience in a way. Um, 
uh, I don't know if you noticed, but Spike Lee does this a lot, where someone gets up and we're about to dap, and it cuts to another angle, and it's still us trying to dap, you know? Like, in the seamless fashion of it, if I get up and you get up and we're dapping in this angle, by the time I cut to the next angle, we should already be dapping. Yeah, but he does the thing where he will, like, roll it back a little bit when it goes to the next cut. And it feels like we're dapping like three times. Oh, it's very right, subtle, yeah, but he no, does it all yeah. the time. It's like his. But you gotta have like, the eye for it. Yeah, and you gotta and, notice it. And it's a. Uh, it it all, it can also happen in a scene where it's not necessary for you to be seamless. You know, it can also be like a signature thing for directors. Oh, see, yeah, yeah. Like, all right, yeah. That's yeah. his tag. He does that. He does the thing where you're. He puts his actors on the on the dolly, and they're like moving forward, but they're not. Walking mm-hmm. and they're just being. I don't know if yeah. you remember. I remember if that, you yeah. if you watch. I didn't. Any, I never used to like that though. I, yeah. It just seems if you fake. watch any Spike Lee yeah, films, but that he does is, that a that lot where it, he'll like put yeah. the camera on the dolly yeah. and they're like moving and it shows mm-hmm. almost like a. It's like a rage yeah, or yeah, emotional, yeah, yeah. strong emotions yeah. happening. It, it's, but it was always during like a climax scene or yeah. like intense. Scene. Yeah, if you remember, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Um, huh? Inside Man. Inside Man. Yeah, 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 Denzel's moving forward in um, yeah. 25th Hour. 25th he does hour it he with Anna Paquin when she leaves yeah. and she's drunk because she's like a high schooler who's not supposed to be drinking with those guys and she gets up and she's like feeling herself and it's just the dolly moving her mm-hmm. and she's just moving in slow motion. He also um, does the monologue thing. Well, but he, he does monologue too. On, like, the after actors always speaking in the camera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He breaks the fourth yeah. He breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. Yeah. He does that in the famous yeah. monologue in 25th yeah. Hour where Ed Norton just like rants in the What's bathroom. What's the fourth wall? It's when you're you're looking directly at the camera and you're like looking at the audience. Yeah. Yeah, it's called Breaking the Fourth. It's like a old, it's from like back when plays were a thing. They're the only thing. And the fourth wall would be like, so say the audience is sitting at this angle. And so there's this wall, there's this wall, and this wall behind us. Three walls. The fourth wall will be that one where the audience is. And the trick is you never look directly at them because then you're, it's almost like you're 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 out you're you're stepping out of what you're doing over here. So if we're talking, and the they're they're watching us over there, that's the fourth wall. So if I ever turn over there and I look directly at them, I'm breaking the fourth wall. So that's the same idea. Because mm. one wall, two wall, three walls, four. Fourth wall is the camera. Yeah. So like when Spike does that with you know say Ed Norton in Twenty Fifth Hour, it's. You, you use it to tell a message. It's almost like you're like, you're... Again, you want to emphasize something. Yeah, it's, it's exactly, that's the right word. It's that thing of like, all right, I'm going to break the rule of film, but I'm doing it for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of those tricks you do. Same yeah. with the dapping, and you, you run it back three times. You're, you're doing something that's usually not done, but you're doing it for a reason. Yeah. Even like narrating. You know, I remember when I took screenwriting in college at Hunter, and because uh, one of my favorite, still my favorite film ever is uh, uh, Goodfellas. That's the best. And I remember my screenwriting professor was like, don't, because she gave us an assignment to write something. 
and I like put voiceovers and she's like, don't put voiceovers in your stuff. It's not a good way to learn how to write because it's, it's like, it's almost like cheat. cheating. Yeah. It's almost like cheating. It's like you're, 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 you have like a voice of God telling the audience stuff. You can just show them, you know, and she's right. But voiceover is one of those things where you're like, you're breaking the rules, but if you use it well, it, it works perfectly. Like you watch any Scorsese film and the voiceover is just perfect because mm-hmm. it, it, it helps, you know. Mm-hmm. It's one, one, of, of, one of my best films is Roman. And, oh, yeah. 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 And, um, is it? No, it's with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Al Pacino, not Al Pacino, uh, the other one. Robert De Niro, De Niro yeah. yeah, yeah, it was Robert De Niro, and was wrong. And one or the other, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was that was one of my uh, favorite films to watch, Ronan, and and, and it, it's one of those things. I like films that is that has like some kind of someone narrating, yeah, right, because then you want to get the perspective of the person, like mm. what they thinking, and it just adds another dimension to it. Yeah, so it's yeah, like, and it's an extra voice. It's an extra know? voice, but it's which it's could tell also, the story. Is an extra story, yeah, right? Because yeah. you're watching it, but then you're also hearing the person internally what they're thinking and what they're processing. The tricky ones, because this has happened a few times too, and I'm always like, "Oh shit, that's cool." Is when, because when you hear a voiceover narration, you're thinking, "This is what happened," mm-hmm. right? Sometimes directors do one where the narration is lying to you, like. Because initially you believe, because like you you play, you hit play on the movie and you hear a narrator. You're like, all right, they're telling me what's happening. Mm-hmm. You believe it. But like, I've, I forget which film I watched lately that did that. But like. It has a plot and twist. Yeah. The, the, the narrator is someone you can't trust. Mm-hmm. But you're trusting them at the beginning because you're like, oh, of course. Why the person. Yeah. Right. It's almost like, a, that's why sometimes they call it the voice of God. Because it's a, it's a person you're not seeing it's just a voice you're hearing so and that fact alone that's not a person you're seeing on screen saying those words makes it feel you know ethereal like oh this is a big time shit Mm -hmm. and you think all right well if it's a big time it must be the truth Mm -hmm. and i forget which one i saw where it was like nope it was just it's not true (laughs) it's just bullshit and you 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 spent the whole. Whatever. I'm gonna go slow. now. I'm gonna pay attention to that. Yeah, you spent half the movie believing what that narration was saying, but meanwhile there was a plot and yeah. twist. Yeah. I like oh, the ambulance. Yeah, by the is that way. the one yeah. with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I remember watching that. I like that. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, yeah. no, it was really good. Bronxville mm. has the narration too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, it's it's you know, uh, I I just like it when, you know, you watch a director's films long enough that you can like turn on their movie at any point. It could be halfway through, and you watch maybe like five minutes of it, and you're like, oh yeah, it's a so and so movie. Right, like, right. I just saw something. It's a Spike Lee movie. I'm watching. Like, that's just, yeah. You're like, you don't even need to be told. You just watch maybe five minutes of it. You're like, all right, yeah. And that to me, that's that's like up there. You yeah. Know? When you're like that level of like, 
you know you you're, you have your own voice and you stick to it and the audience loves it mm-hmm. and it's good and you know uh tarantino scorsese spike lee even someone like chris nolan <laughs> Tyler Perry, yeah. Um, you know, those guys where you can like turn on uh, David Fincher, you can turn on their movies and be like, yeah, uh, Jordan Peele, you know, he's got some now where you're like, all right, you can tell there's a style, there's a way they shoot uh, the Coen brothers, the way they hold the camera, the way they, uh, the way, even the dialogue, the way people talk, you're like, yeah. That's what do you think about Michael B. Jordan? I think he's a nice guy, you know. He's like a really good dude. Nah, I'm, I'm yeah. just around. I, as an actor, as an actor, I think he's pretty good. But now he's. I think he's into all right. Directing. I think he's all right. I, I haven't yet. I, I've heard good reviews about Creed Three, and he directed that. Yeah, yeah it's his first, yeah, first, first director one, review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, as an actor, I think he's all right. I, I don't think he's the best. Mm. I think sometimes, I. I find it hard to get lost in his acting, but people may not understand what you mean by get lost in the acting. I, I, I think it's just like I can see him acting, which is not, it's almost like editing. It's that thing where you can, you can see it happening means something bad is happening. Like, like I said, with editing, if you ever notice editing happening as you're watching something, then it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> Same with acting. If you can go, that guy looks like he's acting, then it's not good acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so sometimes I can, I can, I see that with him sometimes, but I think he's a good, he's a good actor. Yeah. Do you think Chris is producing? Oh, I'm pretty sure he just produces. Yeah, I think yeah. he produces. But he, he made a good observation too, so similar to what you were saying about catching um, certain edits and the angles. Mm. But he was showing something that happened, uh, and he was saying, "See, this, and I think it was part of Stars Network. I'm, I don't remember, but yeah, basically the woman. Uh, there was a scene where the person was going by, and the same exact scene. I probably wouldn't even notice it because I'm not. I don't have that trained eye. But Fifty Cent's pointed out, like one minute the woman had like a napkin in her hand, oh, and yeah. the next minute. It wasn't there yeah. as they crossed the scenes. You I know, mean, I wouldn't. One scene to the I next. wouldn't call that editing error. That's more continuity error, and that happens a lot. Too. Break that down. What's that? Oh, continuity is like when you shoot a scene. Yeah, and then you don't do what you did a few takes, and you do something like sometimes it's also not an error. Sometimes it's just practical. So, like I remember, if you ever watch, I forget which one it is, but one of those new Jurassic World films. It might be the first one. Uh, it might be the first one. But like there's scenes in it where, you know, they run away from the uh, dinosaurs or whatever. And there's a... Yeah, all chick of is, them, they run away from the dinosaurs. <laughs> running away from, yeah. They're running away from... One of the first ones. Not, the, not Jurassic Park. Jurassic World. The okay, new yeah, ones. Yeah. Anyway, she's running away from something. It's probably a dinosaur. <laughs> and and maybe a T-Rex. And she's like wearing heels in one shot. And then the next shot, she's wearing flats. And then the next shot, like, it's like, you know. Obvious. Yeah, it's so obvious. And so like, that's continuity. You know, it's just kind of like, 
All right. This take of her in this specific one is good. But the next take, which is also good, uh, the next shot, the take for that, that's also really good. Unfortunately, she's wearing heels in that one. We want to keep it, so we'll use it. So they didn't really catch it, and they're like, you know, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not like they missed it. I'm pretty sure. I'm no. These movies go through so many QCs, um, so many watchdowns that I'm pretty sure those people who make it are well aware. Like there's things. So like, in in post production, editing, direct, all that stuff. You watch what you're making so many times. More than any person in the audience is ever going to watch it, unless it's a, except you know, unless it's a really, really good film and someone really, really likes it. But like, so there's things that if I'm watching something, you know, I always I used to, I still annoy my wife a lot with this when she's watching the show, one of her like Bravo TV shows, and I'll like notice something and she wouldn't notice it, and she'd be like, "Shut up!" <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I'll be like, "Yo, that I can see the boom mic." up there and she's like oh i didn't even notice that i'm like yeah I, my, my job, job is to notice shit like that yeah, and get yeah. it out of there but like so the the idea is that i do it so often with the same scene that even the smallest thing that i notice i get it out so that by the time the audience watches it they don't even notice anything so when shit like continuity happens, where someone's wearing a scarf and they're not, and this is different, that I I'm always you know I always try to tell people like it's not like they forgot, they've seen it. It's just they they're hoping that what's happening in that scene is a lot more captivating that you're not noticing that stuff because unfortunately they had to keep that stuff. And that's in probably there. like the best scene. Yeah, they, they had. That's, that's the best take. They couldn't lose it. Mm-hmm. They would prefer to not do that. Clearly, yeah. like she would. Pref- I would prefer if she's not wearing the heels and then flats and the heels again in the same sequence. But it just worked out that way that we had to keep it. So yeah, uh, and that happens a lot. Like if you go like movie IMDb pages mm-hmm. and you scroll all the way down, there's a they always have a section called continuity errors, and I bet you every movie you've ever watched there's a. There's a, there's, a stack of there's a stack of them there, and you can go back and look at it, and they'll tell you, like, oh, by the way, uh, I remember one that back in college, this is before I started noticing this stuff, I had a professor who was like, all right, uh, you ever watched The Graduate? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, there's a scene in The Graduate that I'm going to spoil for you guys now forever. And it was like, so just be ready. It's like, all right, what scene is it? So there's a scene in it where, uh, uh, what's his name? The main guy from The Graduate. I can't remember his name now. Anyway, he grabs uh, the girl that he likes because he had been sleeping with her mom. He grabs her and he like pulls her to another side of the table, like to like talk to her like sternly. And what happens with cameras is like you have markers on the ground because like so if I'm getting up and I'm walking that way, I have a marker on the ground for where I'm gonna stand. So that the camera that's over there doesn't need to be refocused. It's already in focus. In focus for that position. Right. Yeah. So for that, there's a marker on the ground. Me as an actor, I walk and then I stop right at that marker so that the camera has me in focus perfectly. They don't need to switch anything. So 
all the time when you go if you ever go on set of a film there'll be markers on the ground for where the actors are going to move it's just perfect the, the the trick is as an actor you're not supposed to look at it because then you're you know you're not in the scene anymore mm-hmm. so there's a scene in there where uh, Dustin Hoffman Dustin Hoffman grabs her and he looks down just to make sure that he's putting her where and then he looks up real quick it's really fast you barely notice it and if no one ever tells you about it you wouldn't even notice it but he was like, all right, now he showed us the scene and we're like, whoa, what happened, what's wrong? And he goes, all right, I'm going to play for you again, but look at Dustin Hoffman the whole time. And you can see him go like, and then Kuku looks down and all right. And then he picks you up. And he's like, yeah. So now whenever I watch that scene, I'm like, damn it, I can see that now. But like, that's, that's, you know, that's an error. But you wouldn't see it, you know. Because it's so quick and it's so small. And there's a lot of that all over film and TV. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, if you go pick your favorite movie, go on IMDb and scroll down, and they'll tell you, like, oh, yeah, in this scene, someone fucked up. But it was so small, you barely noticed it. You didn't even see it. But if you go back and you rewatch it, you'd be like, oh, yeah, look what he's doing over there. He's not supposed to do that. Uh, uh, there's a guy in the background who's not doing what he's... Back to the same Jurassic World, whatever movie. The one where they constantly when they're running from dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy in the scene where the dinosaurs at the equivalent of Sea World, wherever that mm-hmm. they built in this on this uh, place, and the dinosaurs are broken through, and everyone's running. And there's a guy in there who's grabbing two drinks while he's running. Like he's like, all right, I'm gonna get these two drinks while I run from the deadly monster chasing us. And it's really funny, but like. You barely notice it, but like, you know, if you go back and you watch it, you can see him. Like, yeah. So like, I'm going to just grab these two cocktails while I, while I run from the killing machine. I'm going to go back and look. I'm going to take a look. <laughs> yeah, it's Yo, crazy. Let me ask you a question. How, how much does, like, uh, if you were to edit, I, I mean, as an editor in a big budget film like Jurassic, like, yeah. what, what's the payout on that for an editor? I mean, it depends. Um, or on a project like that. I, I I couldn't say. Yeah. <laughs> I've never worked on something like that before. So, but like, I have cut a film. Uh, it was a very, very low budget, first time director. Not anything, you know, didn't really have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And But you, unlike when I work in TV and I'm working for a production house and they pay me. With films like that, especially if it's like indie, low budget, it would just be like, I'll pay you a fixed amount of money. And then you either say yes or no. And then you work on it. Right. And then they pay you that amount of money when you finish. You know? So uh, I think, yeah. Um, but like for something as big as like a blockbuster like that, it might still be the same idea of structure of payment, but it'll obviously be a lot more. Um, you know, because like at that point, it's your agent talking to the studio, negotiating. Um, yeah, price, uh, same with directors, same mm-hmm. with producers. But on TV, they don't do the same thing. Uh, not really, no, because they discuss your rate. So, like, funny enough, starting on BET on on Monday, I feel like I can talk about this no big deal and if I need to tell you to edit it out you can yeah, <laughs> yeah. but like <laughs> yeah, congratulations Jay. thank you thank yeah. you but like they were like you know 
uh, and usually it happens the same way with every job I have. They'll be like, all right, we want you to start a blah, blah, blah day. Uh, it's going to be for, you know, six months, eight months, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it'll be like, well, so what's your rate? Uh, that's when it gets really fun because, like, you know, uh, we live in a society where people get very ang- nervous or anxious or whatever it is when it comes to talking about money, especially when it comes to compensation. You know, it's like, I, I don't want to. Yeah, too yeah. much and like it's another thing where you get older and you start understanding like no fucking talk about it like mm-hmm. don't be shy about asking for what you want like it's 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 your livelihood tell them what you want don't don't worry about them they'll figure out how much they can pay you mm-hmm. you tell them how much you want how much you're worth yeah exactly yeah. like and you know like i said i've been working for over 10 years now when I first started out, I'm sure all my responses to that question would be like, well, I can take this and then we'll, we can negotiate it, blah, blah, because I want to do the job mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm still new, so I can, but now I'm like, listen, I make blah, blah, blah. Let me know if that works for you guys. And I leave it there, you know, and that's it. And then they'll get back to you and be like, well, all right, we can, we can. We can we can do that. Like when I worked for when I did the Bravo show, um, you know, and as you get more and more jobs, you learn that, you know, when someone asks you for how much your rate is, you take that number and you add like five hundred, and then you tell them that's what it is. Because uh, you know why not? Yeah, well, they're gonna they, try to negotiate. Yeah, they they yeah they they do their part too. Like my one of my best friends, Jonas, he's a He's a post-supervisor, so his job is literally to hire editors, amongst other things, but one of the things he does is hire editors. And like, he would be like, yeah, usually the, the studio will give us a budget, and it's my job to try to convince the best editor I want that I can only pay him a certain amount, even though I could probably pay him a little more. But, you know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to run the fucking business here, so I'll be a bit more conservative. And it's their job as editors to go, no, no, I want this. If you want me and you want my talent on your, on your, on your production, this is how much it costs. And like I said, if you're young and new in the business, it takes a while to get to that point because it's, it's not exactly being pushed around. It's just you're trying to prove yourself more than the company is trying to uh, 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 acquire you now if you've been working for a while that balance shifts the company is trying to acquire you more than you're trying to prove anything to them so it's on them to like meet you where you're at Mm -hmm. when when you're young it's the other way around you know you're trying to meet them because you're like yo I'm still new at this I'm trying to I'm trying to you know up my game so the way it works yeah in, in TV is you know they ask you for how much you, your, your rate is. Basically, how much are you worth? And you tell them. And then you leave it there. Mm-hmm. And then they get back to you and they'll be like, all right, maybe we can come somewhere in the middle. middle. Or, <laughs> like Bravo, they were like, yo, I, I think I said like, I think I said I was like 4,000. And they were like, well. 4,000 an hour or 4,000 a day? A week. A week, okay. And they were like, well, we're at 3,500. And I was like, sorry, I'm. Four thousand is what I do. They're like, okay, we'll we'll let you know. We'll we'll figure some stuff out. 
And they came back and were like, well, we can do like 3,800. I was like, all right, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll live on 3,8. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's how it works. Like, yeah. literally, you're just, you're, you're, and they know too. They know, you know, they know all the tricks. They know that whatever number you're giving them, you're probably putting up a little more mm-hmm. than usual. And that's part of the dance, you know. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I can make it work, I guess. I'm trying to feed my kids on this tiny shit yeah. you paid me, even though it's a lot of money compared to a lot of people. That's uh, that's true, too. If you had, like, uh, two advice that you would recommend to somebody that's trying to become an editor, what would you say? Uh, I think... Well, the first one is not even just for editors. I remember telling my brother Sam this when he first graduated from Syracuse. And I was like, you know, it's a very small world in a lot of ways. Like, especially for my, in my business. I can't tell you how many times I've worked at a different company and I will run into someone that I've worked with at a previous place. It happens all the time. I'm sure when I show up for BET on Monday, there'll be someone in there who I've worked with at some point in mm-hmm. the past. It's just the way it is. And with that in mind, I remember telling my brother Sam, I was like, listen, don't be an asshole. Just don't. Yeah, you can't. It's just, you're going to meet these people again. And if you put your best foot forward when they meet you the first time, they're going to remember that. People remember everything, especially if you're good at what you do. It's, it's, if, you're in the, if you're kind of mediocre and not terrible, but not, awesome maybe you get lost in the shuffle and no one remembers but if you're like if you're a piece of shit they remember <laughs> no one forgets or if you're like really really good and they can depend on you they remember that too like they always remember that like one of my first early jobs when i would work my first time so i like i said i worked at night for a while and then when i first got my first daytime job i would be at the office at like nine in the morning and I was, whenever they would be like, yo, we need someone to like work a little later tonight, maybe like till 9 p.m. It's like solid 12 hour day. And which is, you know, a lot of people don't like doing that. I'd be like, yeah, I can do it. You know, I, I'm, I, be, I made sure I was the guy they knew they can go to whenever they needed someone to like go the extra mile. And it was because I was starting out, and I just realized, and someone told me earlier, like, listen, if you make yourself dependable, and you make yourself, you know, useful for everyone in this, even for the guy who cleans in the evening, you make him realize that he can call you to help him out if he needs help, then you can go a long way. Because if, for whatever reason, people need to get fired, and to me, the company's losing money. You're kind of the last person that they want to lose because they're like, "Well, you know everything. You're, we need to keep you around because you're the Swiss Army knife that we're probably gonna need when we fire all these fuckers. So you stay." <laughs> and and not only that, you know, it 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 when you leave and you go to a different job and you run into that person again, or if they leave and they need to hire someone, they're like, "Yo." I know this kid from the place I used to work at. You should talk to him. He, he will hook you up. Mm-hmm. He'll, he, I can put my reputation down for him. Like, 
And that's why I told Sam, my brother, when he graduated, um, I was like, you know, full hand to God. All the jobs I've had since I've been working in TV, I've had them through someone else. I've only, I think I've only sat down to interview for a job maybe once ever. And that might be for Vice. And that was also because I already got through the first step, which someone hooked me up. My buddy, Steven Roberts, he's the one who was working at Vice, who was like, yo, I know this guy, you should hire him. And then I got through that first door. And so I always tell Sam that because I was like, People are how you're going to get the jobs. That's all. And BET, too. He's the one who sent this person my information. And then she texted me, like, on, like, Monday night. It was like, listen, Stephen told me about you. You're, you're free right now. We need to hire someone. He speaks highly of you. Do you want to talk to us for a minute? And that's it. I'm always like, so when you work at a place, it's so easy to not be an asshole. It really is. Mm -hmm. And maybe they give you a reason to, and that's fair, that happens, but you got to swallow that sometimes because it comes back around. It always does. And I think, I don't know if you can say the same, but in my field, it is. It for sure is. You're going to meet these people again sometime, and they'll remember. And so I always say, like, uh, uh, a friend of mine told me years ago, he's like, you got to look at jobs. Like like an apartment almost. First month, last month. First month, and those are the months you're on your best behavior. Like the best, even go overboard. Because first month, you just got there, you know. You, gotta, you don't want to wild out too much. You're new. Last month, you're about to leave. You got to give them something to remember you by. So you, you up that shit again. You know, you, you, you go the extra mile. Because especially when you're new, when you're young, when you're 25. Because then they, they remember you. They think about you. If someone ever goes, yo, I need to, I'm looking for an editor. Do you know anyone? They'll be like, yeah, yeah, I know this kid. He was really, really good. I, at least the last month I knew him. <laughs> it was amazing. You know, and they, they give you. So that, that's, my, that's, that's my first advice. And like, again, like I said, not just for film or TV, just overall, whatever you do. Sam works in finance. So like, he doesn't work in that field. Mm -hmm. But I think... The advice applies. Same principles apply. Yeah, you just you make sure. And I, you know, listen. It could also be a personality thing. I just always felt, like I said, to me, if always feels like I have to do it extra to be an asshole to someone. It just feels like I have to, and I'm like notoriously lazy. So like, if I if if being an asshole means I have to do extra shit, I'd rather be nice. It's okay. Yeah. Like, you were mean to me, whatever. I'm just going to go. You got to live with that. I'll go my way. Yeah. Don't worry about it. You know? So, like, it's just, it makes it easier, you know? Um, second advice in film, I, I feel like, I mean, like I said, my goal, so as a kid, um, my dad was, like, super into James Bond films and, like, Bollywood. We used to watch all Bollywood. Yeah, I, I love Bollywood. Yeah, that's my know. wife's thing. Oh man, hour and a half of singing in between a movie. It's yeah. great <laughs> singing, singing and dancing. Oh my god, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. We used to watch that all the time, and you know, 
and that's probably where my love of film came from. I just never thought about it until I got to college and I realized I wanted to do film. And I just knew, like, I always loved this medium, but I just never thought about it as a job, as, like, something people do for a living. I just it never crossed my mind that way. So I say that because I then it becomes, I want to be a director. I want to direct movies. But, like, you know, after college, all, a bunch of my friends were like, yo, we're going to move to L.A. We're going to, like, sleep on couches and just, like, go on sets and just hang out there and hope someone gives us a job. And I, I, that just never sounded appealing to me. I, I wanted the same goals that they wanted, but I just felt like I, I don't know if I want to do all that. So I, I was like, well, if I want to direct, becoming an editor is probably a good way to keep that path going. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to become an editor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can make a good life. And if I get to a place as an editor where I'm very secure, then I can move to the next step of directing. And, you know, I have a good backup. If whatever reason I direct and maybe I suck at it, all right, I, I got another job I can turn to. <laughs> I'll be fine. So, and that would be my advice is always have a, have a plan, you know. It's always useful. And I had that plan when I was 21 years old, you know, because that's the other thing. I don't, I don't think you need to be of wise old age to plan your path you need to you can do it at 17 you can do people do it people do it at 14 you know just have a plan and try to stick to it you know it it probably changed like i said earlier i never saw myself doing news as an editor but here i am i've been doing news now for almost over six years i have an emmy at home because of it but like it was never my plan, but it happened that way. And that's the thing. Like, you have a plan, but it, it, it might deviate once in a while. But if you're still in the same direction, which I feel like I am, I'm still on that editing path that I set for myself, you know, what, 12 years ago. But, like, it's, it's, it's you're still going. That's right. the whole idea. Yeah. So, like, I have a plan. Find people who can help you along the way, and just make sure you're you you keep going in that direction. Things you know you yeah it will fall into place. And like I said, you you have things here and there that might shake it up a bit. You might go take a different route, but like as long as you keep like all right, I'm gonna keep and like you know who knows? I'm not even at the end of mine yet. You know, I'm still editing. You know, it's yeah, not like yeah. I've directed my movies yet. I still want to do it, but like, I'm still on the way. Who knows? Maybe in ten years, I'll be doing something else, and still on that road. But I feel like you find things about yourself once you've yeah, exactly. And like, it can be it can be tough. It can be easy. It can be whatever. But you know, that's life in stay, the end. Yeah, stay yeah. the path. Yeah. That's my bad. Yeah. It's it's like uh, it's 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 the north star, you know. It's the north star. You yeah. keep it. You keep it in sight, and things things might things might go, you know, but who cares, man? Like keep 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 your keep that yeah. light burning, and 
Maybe one day, you know, I'll get to direct something. Maybe I won't. Who knows? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. It's been awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for this. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, it's been great. Thank yeah. you, guys. Uh, where, where can people reach you? Or do you want that? Uh, I Instagram? can always edit out Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to work for Vice. Not no, anymore. No, no. Let them know your Instagram because then we're gonna get oh, into okay. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's J J A Y underscore underscore D B N. That's it. It's uh, it's right there. J or J A Y. J A Y underscore D B N. Uh, yeah. I do want to touch on on uh, on uh, I wanted for us to get to the point where we were gonna talk about your mother's story because that's what oh yeah that's yeah. initially yeah yeah. But then after you said you know uh, the whole thing about the right setting, the right time, and the, and I said oh maybe maybe this may not be the right time. Yeah, and we can no. do it again. Yeah, yeah. sure. Let me know. No, yeah. That, I, I mean, love yeah, that, that was story, the initial. But then I thought about. Yeah, that was the yeah, initial. That was the initial. But then after thought. you said that, I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, no, we we got to do it right. Yeah, yeah. we'll yeah. do. Uh, we'll do. We'll yeah. do the oh, beginning. Get, get another drink, brother. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. We'll do the beginning. I'm not forcing you, am I? No, no. Okay, no. good. I got. I do got to drive, but I think two is enough. Two is good. Yeah, two is enough. You just let me know. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, we'll do we'll do the the beginning, Ebbetsfield projects, all that, all that, <laughs> all that, every detail.